coming up week two power rankings for the number five spot in the d-backs rotation mlb.com just dropped their top 30 prospects list for the d-backs so which of the top 30 prospects can make their debut and an impact with the d-backs this season then part three with ben caspic wrapping up our conversation from last week with a little discussion on our favorite thing the pitch clock all coming up on today's locked on diamondbacks podcast you are locked on diamondbacks your daily arizona diamondbacks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. We are trying to hit 400 subscribers, slowly creeping toward that number. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. But for today's podcast, I first want to start with a little conversation because this might be our new weekly Monday show, um, our first segment to start our Monday shows until regular season starts where we just do a little update on the number five spot in the rotation because we know that's been maybe the biggest battle in spring training so far for the D-backs and we did a power ranking last week after everyone did one turn through the rotation for the power ranking now it's week two so we gotta do another power ranking for the number five spot in the rotation who is in the lead right now because I think there's a pretty definitive answer with who's in the lead right now for the D-backs but as always let's work backwards with number four and Honestly, the power ranking is going to look the same as last week because at number four, once again, I have Tommy Henry, who in his first start with the D-backs on February 26th, went 1.1 innings pitch, four earned runs, gave up a home run, did not look great. In his second start against the Seattle Mariners, he looked a little bit better, only allowed two earned runs this time, still allowed a home run, but still not a great start by him. At least went out there and threw three innings, which is always nice, but it just... He's just been getting hit hard. He's the low velocity guys we always talk about. I do like the four strikeouts. He's one of the league leaders in spring training for the D-backs, at least in terms of in terms of strikeouts. I think he's like second on the team in spring training for strikeouts. But Tommy Henry, I think, is someone that is going to get a couple of spots start throughout the year. Might be a little bit of a long reliever, but I don't see him as like a long-term piece with the D-backs. I don't think he's going to be the number five starter with the team this season. I do think he will pitch with the team this season. I don't know if he'll be on opening day. I don't know if he'll be on the opening day roster, but he will have a little impact and little role with the D-backs this season. But will he be a long-term option for the D-backs in the rotation? I do not think so. 
This next guy, I think, could be a long-term piece in the rotation or just a long-term asset with the D-backs ball club. But with how he's looked in spring training, he is not making a great case for himself because Ryan Nelson is someone that I liked a lot at the end of last season with how he was able to dominate some of those NL West division rivals like the Dodgers and the Padres. And I liked his mix of pitches. I didn't mind that he was a fastball-heavy guy because he was someone that had a very high velo and seemed to have pretty good command in control of that fastball you just want him to work in some secondary pitches that's what he's been working on this spring training trying to work on those secondary off-speed pitches with Brent Strom something he's talked about a lot but through two spring training starts Ryan Nelson has not looked good that first start one inning four earned runs in his second start 1.2 innings pitch so went a little bit deeper but four hits three earned runs allowed a home run allowed two walks and only one strikeout just not Good starts by Ryan Nelson this spring training. He looks, uh, he did only throw 21 pitches through those 1.2 innings pitch, so he was able to go through, I guess, quickly, um, move through the game quickly. But Ryan Nelson just hasn't looked like himself. The hitters have been keying in on those off speed pitches for him, and those fastball velocities in these spring training games have been maybe a little bit alarming for Ryan Nelson. Who, if you actually tracked his fastball velos the last few years, you say, uh, his fastball velo for a few years now maybe has been taking in the wrong direction after what pre-pandemic or probably pre-pandemic he was someone that was consistently throwing 97 to 100 maybe the pandemic messed up his his routine and his workout schedule a little bit and he may be still building back up that arm strength um I'm not too sure why he's not able to consistently throw as hard as it used to be but it is a little bit concerning for Ryan Nelson. But I do think if he was a guy that we made into a full-time reliever, I think we'll see that velocity come back. And ultimately, I think I like Ryan Nelson as a long-term piece for the bullpen. I still want him to get as many opportunities as a starter in the minor leagues. I want to see him get opportunities this season as a starter in the major leagues. But long-term, I think he's someone that you could put in in the seventh inning, eighth inning, either be a setup man, high-leverage reliever, come in, bases loaded, you know, maybe got two men on and you need a Big strikeout. I think Ryan Nelson could come in and close the door in a high leverage moment by just throwing straight gas. Number two in the power ranking. This one is also not a shock, but Brandon Fat, who has been phenomenal so far this spring training in his first start against the Cubs, two innings, one hit, no earned runs, two strikeouts. In his second start on Saturday, because I went to Brandon Fat's start, got to go to spring training game. Brandon Fat looked freaking phenomenal out there. Three innings pitch, one hit, one walk, four strikeouts. Brandon Fat has been everything that we've expected. All the hype from him in his minor league season last year has completely been cemented so far this spring training i think the hype is only going to continue to grow with each spring training start where he looks like this i don't think he will make the opening day roster but i don't think it'll be very long that he stays in the minor leagues because if he continues to look like this in the minor leagues maybe we don't have to wait till all-star break to see a brandon fat call up maybe he does get the alec thomas treatment where the first month of the season you see how brandon fat looks in the minor leagues the first month first month and a half and after three or four starts of brandon fat is just blowing away the minor league competition guess what he might just get called up and be like all right let's do a little six-man rotation and see how he looks with the davies and mad bums and the dre jamesons and the gallons and the merrill kelly's of the world maybe do a little six-man rotation or maybe give mad bum you probably more likely to give mad bum 
Bum a day off or Zach Davies a day off instead of going to a six-man rotation. But I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have to wait until the All-Star break or later to see a Brandon Fat if he continues this performance throughout spring training and then continues it into the regular season for the Reno Aces if he still looks phenomenal that first month in Reno. Don't expect Brandon Fat to be on the minor league level too long. And then the last guy, of course, number one in our power rankings for the number five spot in the rotation. Kind of gave it away a couple minutes ago. Dre Jameson has been that dude this spring training. He's only allowed one hit so far in spring training. His most recent start against the Giants, two innings, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, two strikeouts, and only needed 10 pitches to do it. Dre Jameson has been phenomenal so far this spring training and he is someone that coming into spring training probably was 1a to the 1b of ryan nelson for the number five spot in the rotation so far he has completely blown the doors off this competition competition brandon fat is still right there nipping on his heels with how good he's looked but because he didn't have any experience on the major league level last season this is easily dre jameson's job to lose right now and so far the way he's looked in spring training i don't see how it's not already locked up dre jameson is the number five starter in the rotation and look no matter what whoever wins it even though we all think it's Dre Jameson like the D-backs are going to be in a good spot with their rotation long term and short term because we got so many high uh, highly ranked rookies coming up over the next season really I mean Dre Jameson's gonna be a number five starter this year Brandon Fat's gonna have some kind of impact on the major league level this season so will Ryan Nelson so will the Tommy Henry's like the D-backs are gonna get a good look at so many young pitchers this season I think it's just going to make for a really compelling storyline all these young pitchers in the D-backs rotation all these young pitchers in the D-backs bullpen think it's going to be a really fun time and that's gonna kind of lead us into segment number two where we look at the top 30 prospects just just dropped by MLB.com. Which of those guys are going to make an impact for the D-backs this season? That's what we're going to discuss in segment number two. But before we get there, I first want to tell you about how these rookies are going to be a boost to the rotation, like how Bilt Bar can be a boost to your day. Because if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Bilt Bar because look, I'm a person that's a health conscious guy. I'm trying to work out every day. I'm trying to eat clean. But my biggest issue is I have a sweet tooth. I love candy and I love junk food. But that's where Bilt Bar comes and tricks me and just helps me out because I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for the keto diet. And the reason it fills my sweet tooth craving so much is because it's covered in 100% real chocolate. It's soft, it's easy to chew, and they have unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream, just absolutely delicious. And right now, you don't just have to go to built.com online to get your box. You can still do that, but they're also in stores now. If you go to your nearest Sam's Club, Walmart, you can pick up a box of Built Bar. So, Please run into your nearest Sam's Club, get a 13-bar box with brownie batter or a churro, and guess what? You can thank me later. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's look at those top 30 prospects dropped by MLB.com because this is always a fun time of the season where 
us pundits and fans can just kind of do a little deep dive into these prospects and get a little glimpse into the future of what your organization right uh what your organization might be. Baseball America, I think, just said the D-backs have the second-best farm system in Major League Baseball, and now we see MLB.com dropping their top 30 prospects for the D-backs, and it's not a surprise to see why they think this D-backs farm system is so good because they are absolutely loaded with talent, and looking at the top 30 prospects, a lot of this talent is going to make their debut or have some kind of impact this season if they didn't already make their debut. So let's kind of look at these top 30 guys and discuss which of these guys can make an impact this season might potentially have a cup of coffee with the D-backs this season because there's a lot of names on this list. And I actually want to start at the top and work our way down. And at the very top of this list, number one in the D-backs top 30 prospect rankings, of course, is Corbin Carroll, who is going to be in for a monster season, going to play a full season with the D-backs, going to be somewhere in the top four of the lineup, probably near the top of the lineup, might be the table setter, might be a Mookie Betts esque type player for the D-backs where you know he has speed or excuse me where you know he has power like a Mookie Betts but because of the speed just because of the overall contact ability of the on-base ability let's just get him on base and make him a table setter with that home run potential to start off a game one nothing like a Jose Altuve Corbin Carroll the number one ranked prospect for the D-backs I think the number two ranked prospect in all of baseball Corbin Carroll is in for a monster season and don't be surprised if at the age of 22 he's an all-star and the real conversation is should the D-backs extend him before the season starts should they do it mid-season should they wait till after the season but no matter what I don't think we enter 2024 with Corbin Carroll not on a new contract I think Corbin Carroll will be extended within the next 365 days that is my prediction for Corbin Carroll another dude on this list as you make your way down Jordan Lawler I don't expect him with the D-backs this season Drew Jones either who's hasn't even made his debut yet in the minor leagues but number four on this list Brandon Fat. Expect him to probably start the season in AAA, but like I was saying earlier, I don't think he'll be in AAA very long, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half. The longest I expect him to be there is up until All-Star break because I think he'll be a pretty early post-All-Star break call-up if it takes that long, but I'm not even sure it's going to take that long with the way he's looked in spring training so far, with the way he's looked in the minor leagues last season. If this guy starts this minor league season hot, don't expect Brandon Fat to be in Reno that long. Number six on this list, Ryan Nelson. We expect him to have an impact with the D-backs this season. He may not start the season on the opening day roster. He's probably not going to start the season in the rotation, but I don't think he'll be in the minor leagues very long. The D-backs want to give him as many opportunities as possible to be a starter, so that's why he might not crack. That's why he might not crack. Why can't I say this? That's why he might not crack the opening day rotation, the opening day roster, because if Dre Jameson wins that number five starting job, they don't want to just put Ryan Nelson in the bullpen to start the season. They still want to give him opportunities as a starter to work on those off-speed secondary stuff, so they'll send him to AAA to work on that stuff for a little bit, and then if there's an injury or if they're just ready to call him back up, then that's what they'll do. But Ryan Nelson, expect him to have a pretty... A pretty decent role with the D-backs this season. Number seven, Dre Jamison. Kind of surprising to see him rank behind Ryan Nelson because we expect Dre Jamison to win the job over Ryan Nelson for that number five spot. But he's someone that could maybe be... Dre Jamison is someone that we we all think Corbin Carroll is the unanimous rookie of the year. But 
don't sleep on Dre Jameson because if he is going to be that number five starter for the D-backs this season and pitch potentially like a full season's workload, like if he gets 140, 150 innings pitch, like he's going to be in the mix for a rookie of the year conversation if he's pitching well, of course, 25 years old like a Ryan Nelson, but a little bit shorter, but a true athlete, six foot, probably around 170 pounds, could probably bulk up a little bit, but really wiry, a little twitchy, and a, a, a true athlete as a pitcher, which is why I think he performs so well. Big pitching arsenal, four to five pitches in his bag. He's got a deep pitching bag. So Dre Jameson, Dre Jameson, someone I like a lot, and someone that I think will have a major impact with the D-backs this season. And maybe you need to go check his FanDuel odds because he might be a sneaky dark horse to win the NL Rookie of the Year. Number eight on this list, Blake Walston is... Maybe someone that can also come up with the D-backs this season. Expected to start the year in double-A, 21 years old. Maybe less likely than other guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Blake Walston made an impact. Not an impact with the D-backs this season, but had that little, had a role like Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson had last season where maybe he comes in the last month of the season and has like two or three just random spot starts with the D-backs. I wouldn't be too surprised if that happened. At number 11, you got Blaze Alexander, who the D-backs have on the 40-man roster with Geraldo Perdomo last season, just not looking great at the plate, being a decent glove. Blaze Alexander, probably a higher upside offensive player with a probably higher offensive glove, too, can play shortstop, second base, third base. Blaze Alexander, 23 years old. I wouldn't be surprised if Geraldo Perdomo... If he doesn't look that good with the D-backs this season, maybe they send him down, call Blaze Alexander up. Blaze Alexander seems to be ready to get some MLB action this season, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Blaze Alexander maybe become the backup shortstop post-All-Star break for the D-backs this season. Jorge Barosa, he is listed at number 15 on this D-backs prospect ranking. He is an outfielder, a little short, 5'9", 165, 22 years old. Considered MLB ready on MLB.com. Don't know too much about him, but with how deep the D-backs have been in the outfield with other guys already mentioned, like the Dominic Fletchers, the Dominic Canzones, I think they will get a first look over Jorge Barros. Uh, or excuse me, Jorge Barosa, but we'll see what happens there because at number 17, you got Dominic Fletcher, who is also 25 years old, an outfielder, been getting some reps in spring training. So he could be someone, if someone goes down with injury, that gets a look at in the outfield. Same with Dominic, uh, same with Dominic Canzone, who's 25 as well in AAA. He could be someone that gets a look for the D-backs in the outfield if there's any injuries out there. At number 21, Justin Martinez, reliever could be a potential guy as well just got reassigned to minor league camp i believe this week he did have a cup of coffee in spring training this season 21 years old 63 180 wouldn't be shocked if the D-backs call him up because this D-backs bullpen has been so much in flux the last few years. It's been pretty here to miss. I think they're going to try to get as much young talent in the bullpen as possible. If someone is struggling in the bullpen, I don't think the D-backs will have any problem DFAing them. Um, sending them down to the minor leagues if they're a young guy with still options. So don't be surprised if you see some names called up this season that you're not really expecting, that you didn't really 
know too much about before this season. Like, I didn't really know too much about Justin Martinez pre-spring training, but after seeing him for a little bit, after seeing that he's considered Major League ready at 21 years old, don't be surprised if you see him with the D-backs this season. Then the last guy who I think could have an impact with the D-backs this season among the top 30 prospects is Carlos Vargas, who the D-backs acquired in a in a trade this offseason with the Cleveland Guardians, considered the 24th best prospect. High velocity reliever does have some command and control issues, but if he's hitting the upper 90s as a righty, maybe he could be a high leverage reliever for the D-backs in the back end of the bullpen. But overall, I mean, how many guys I just named that could be potential impact players with the D-backs this season? I mean, you got Carroll. You got Brandon Fat, you got Ryan Nelson, you got Dre Jameson, Blake Walston, I still think, Blaze Alexander, Jorge Barosa, Dominic Fletcher, Justin Martinez, Dominic Canzone, and Carlos Vargas. That's 11 of the top 30 prospects that we could see on the major league level this season. That's why this season is such a big transitional period for the D-backs because they're going to have so much young talent be called up. And this is still a team that's trying to win games. This is a team that would like to make the playoffs, but this is not a team with championship or bust hopes. This is a team that's just trying to slowly marinate this product and get it to a place where we can start adding real pieces via free agency or trade. But first, we need to see the talent that we have within our own system, see how our own development is going, see how many of these 11, uh, see if these 11 guys that could potentially make an impact this season, see what their true ceiling is. And then once you answer some of those questions, once you know, okay, Corbin Carroll is a true all-star outfielder, let's give him that extension. All right, he's a building block. Once you know, Dre Jameson, definitely better than a number five starter in our rotation. That takes off our list of looking for another elite rotation guy behind Zach Allen. If some of these guys are as good as we think they are, they actually flash some of their potential. It makes it easier for the D-backs to go into free agency and trades and say, all right, maybe we don't have to go out there and spend a ton of money, or maybe we want to go out there and trade for a superstar player because we know we got these other prospects and these other assets and we have so much talent that we can actually move a piece or two and still be okay because we like the infrastructure of our team so much and we have so many assets that's okay if we have to move one in a deal for a big time player so I like where the D-backs sit right now still have a lot of questions with this young talent but because they have so much young talent so many darts at the dartboard I think the D-backs are in a prime position to just see this team continue to get better every year and you can do it with internal development which is always a nice story because it's always fun to see when it's your team being homegrown unlike the Dodgers and Padres who like to pay for players. And these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb. That's linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
Ben, before we go today, any parting words? Well, I just wanted to say when you mentioned speed and athleticism and, and that it even ratchets up in importance this year, I don't know if you remember, but I remember very well. The Diamondbacks were a major problem for the San Francisco Giants last year precisely because of their speed and athleticism. And it just, like, they the Giants matched up so poorly with Arizona last year. And so I wonder, like, somehow the rest of the league had an okay time with the D-backs, but the Giants, I mean, they couldn't hit Merrill Kelly. That was a whole other <laughs> thing. He just, that guy dominated the San Francisco Giants last year. Um and so, you know, when I talk about moving on from Evan Longoria, they also the Giants also moved on from Brandon Belt. These were guys who are just veterans dealing with injuries all the time and like slow. And so hopefully I think for me this year, the Giants are going to be not it's not going to be such a stark comparison. But yes, the D-backs have that and fans of the Giants saw that firsthand. And if you can do that to the rest of the league and just kind of impose your will athletically and with speed, it's exciting. It's a fun brand of baseball and we ought, we saw how it can work when when the Giants were playing the D-backs last year. That's my final yeah. thought. Yeah, Giants were nine and ten against the D-backs last season, so it's not like we mollywhopping no, guys. We were, we were, like if there was one more game, we probably would have been ten and ten against each other. Perfect five hundred record against each other because we're pretty well, evenly matched. What was the D-backs total record though? Uh, the D-backs was seventy four and whatever, like eighty eight, whatever losses that is. Yeah, and and it was the nature of a lot of those losses. Like the way that the D-backs won was just like athleticism and speed, and just the Giants had no answer for it when they were getting beat. And I, did I think towards the end of the, I think the Giants swept in the end of the season, and so it was the D-backs had a much. I think the Giants swept in their final series, but so I think before that it, it was I guess six and six and ten. No, and I, I, I can't do math while <laughs> doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually looking at it now. The D-backs actually won the last two series against the Giants. So we actually oh, finished. Oh, what? This, yeah, we finished, we had a walk-off. It must have been the Rockies. Here. Yeah, last game, D-backs versus Giants. D-backs walked it off, actually, for the win. So that was a pretty pretty nice feeling. Yeah, the Rockies huh. used to wept in that last series. You guys destroyed the Rockies. You guys were like 15-5 uh, and five against the Rockies last season. You guys absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Those but I do want to ask you, actually, before we go today, Ben, just real quick, you could give me however long it could be a one-minute answer. You could take another 10 minutes if you want. Just give me your quick thoughts on the pitch clock. Okay. Um, it could, it you seems a little fa- It be seems a little bit fast, but what I, from what I understand, the first week in the minor leagues when they tested it out, there were like 1.7 violations per game or something. And the first week of spring training, there's like 1.7 violations per game. But by the, you know, by I think a month into the year in the minor league season where they were using this, they were down to half a violation per game. And so players get used to it. And so I think if you're watching spring training right now and it seems rushed and there's a lot of violations, relatively speaking, that's because it takes time to get used to it. And look, I was a purist. I was adamantly against the DH coming to the NL. I was adamantly (laughs) against the pitch clock. I was adamantly against banning or restricting shifts. But the pitch clock, I think, is going to end up being one of the best things to happen to baseball in a long time because the guys just take too long to get into the box. Not every one of them, and to pitch, you know, just and to new fans, young fans, like in the modern world, just you turn on a game and a lot of people just see what what are they doing? They're just standing there and they're not doing anything. And just 
you're not losing any action. You're simply losing time between the action. And so it feels a little bit rushed. Like I'm okay maybe thinking about adding a couple seconds to the clock perhaps, but just the idea of it, once they get used to it, you won't notice it as much. People will just play at a better pace. And I think right now, give it time when the players adjust and you don't you see a violation only one time every two games that you watch versus, you know, multiple violations per game. I think if you're violating multiple times a game, it's too much. But ultimately, I think it's it's going to be great because the pace is important and it had slowed down too much. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. I have to know. Yeah, I am totally in on the pitch clock. I am in on anything that leads to offensive production, more action, or just the efficiency, like you said, between the action. Because a lot of pushback is from either old generation claiming, oh, this new age, the microwave generation, they go on TikTok for 10 seconds and they have no attention span. Yes, part of that is true. I won't deny new generation people have a shorter attention span than the people of yesterday, but also you can't deny the fact that baseball games are getting increasingly longer with no added action because you look at the average time of baseball games the last five years, they've been over three hours. I think in 2021 or 2020, the average length of a baseball game was like three hours and 10 minutes long. The peak of baseball was the steroid era, the 80s and 90s. Back then, a baseball game on average was between three hours and 35 minutes, or not three hours, two hours and 35 minutes and two hours and 45 minutes. And if you go back further, the further you go back in baseball, the shorter times were. In the 50s and 60s, games were under two and a half hours. Those things were like two hours and 20 minutes long. So we've added so much time over the years without getting better offensive production. You would think the offense would be getting better at the same time. Maybe that would lead the to the increase in the, the, the games being longer, but part of its pitchers are getting better. They're striking out more. So at bats are longer, but if we're not getting more action and these games are longer, it's like we need to figure out a way to condense the action. I think the fact that we're getting a pitch clock, we're banning the shift, we're getting the pickoff attempts lessened. Like, I love the idea of games flying by because me and you, we're West Coast guys. Every game we watch starts at 7-10. And guess what? Some of those games with the extra innings go until midnight, and I don't want to be recording post-game podcasts after 11, after midnight. So the idea of a game starting at 7-10 and then ending at like 9.30, it's just really appealing to me as a baseball podcast host. And you don't miss any action. It's the same number yeah. of outs, same number of innings. You're literally just missing the time when the batter steps out, readjusts his glove, looks at glove, batting gloves, looks at the sky, steps up, you know, pitcher steps off, blah, 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 all that stuff. And again, once once the players get used to it, it won't seem, it'll just be played at a crisper pace. And so... The, I think people are going to it's one of those things people just don't like change. And I yeah. think it's one of those things where people are going to realize this is what happened in the minors, including players, former major leaguers like Matt Carpenter, uh, you know, was in the minor leagues last year. And he said initially he hated it and then it did not take him long. And then he said, I love it. And so I think <laughs> that's what we're going to see. Fans are going to realize it's it's good for the game. Players are going to realize it. I think we're already seeing it. I, I feel like there's always going to be naysayers, but it's going to be one of the best changes we've made in a long time to the sport. Yeah, I think over the next three to five years, baseball is going to kind of make a, a comeback into the national talking audience just because the pace of play, like we just talked about, we're going to get robo umps. Like once games are like two hour, two and a half hours long with way more action between pitches with the, the, the less 
complaining between every pitch, every ball and strike, just seeing a clean executed game. Maybe you got to replay every now and then for the safe uh, for, you know, calling somebody safe route. But I just think we're going to get so much more efficient action, get so much more efficiency from um, balls and strikes. I just think the game is going to be so much better. We're going to get so much more offense with the band shift. I love the direction baseball is moving because so long it was stuck in its ways. And now it's finally seeing the world of evolution. I love it. Ben Kaspik of Lockdown Giants. Where can the listeners find you on social media? On Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. Pretty active on there. Tweeting out a bunch of stats and what have you about the Giants. And it's a lot of fun. So check me out there. And where can my listeners find you? Yeah, at Creator Thomas24 for the personal account, or just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle on all your podcasting streaming platforms. And please hit both of our YouTube channels with a subscribe, Lockdown Diamondbacks and Lockdown Giants. Ben Caspic of Lockdown Giants will come out with our little wager details probably right before the season starts, but very excited to see a little bet between our two teams because I'm really in on the D-backs this year and I hope they don't disappoint. Ben Thank you for joining today, sir. That's it for this edition of the Lock on Dimebacks podcast. Shout out to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast with hosts Matt and Dom, who will keep you up to date with fantasy baseball strategies and news analysis throughout the fantasy baseball season. Catch them wherever you catch my podcast, Locked On Dimebacks. Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. As I already said, but I can't ever say it enough. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.